0: You're listening to The Razor's Edge. I'm Daniel Schwarzman, co-host of this show, along with Akram's Razor. On The Razor's Edge, we take investing ideas that Akram has been studying as part of his trading or his investing service, also called The Razor's Edge, which builds on his two decades plus as a prop trader and investment researcher. We break down the ideas, the research that goes into them, and what might go right or wrong in the future. We also speak with industry executives and other investors and experts to better understand the opportunities and trends in a given space. And I bring a generous take based on a decade of investing and reviewing thousands of investing ideas and seeing how they played out during my time at Seeking Alpha. To get episodes of The Razor's Edge, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get podcasts. You can also check out Akron's work on The Razor's Edge on Seeking Alpha's Marketplace by searching for The Razor's Edge. And if you have a chance to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, or to share this with a friend. We really appreciate it. You can also reach us on Twitter at at Daniel Shortman or at Akram's Razor. Our standard disclaimer and disclosure. The Razor's Edge is a Shortman Studios production. The views discussed belong to either Akram or me respectively or to our guests when we have them. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment or trading advice. We'll disclose any positions and any stocks discussed at the end of the podcast. Or during our introduction to a given episode. This week's The Razor's Edge introduces a guest whose name, or nickname, which is what he'll go by, you may have already heard. It's Akram's bete noir, Captain Twilio, the high conviction investor who has only held one stock in his portfolio at a time for the last decade. The first stock was Netflix, which he held from about 2012 to 2017, at which point he switched into Twilio, of course. The Moriarty to Akram's Sherlock, or better perhaps, the Toby Flenderson to Akram's Michael Scott. He joins us to break down Netflix's position in light of the most recent pandemic-fueled earnings report and how they stand in the streaming wars. And because we couldn't have the captain on without hitting Twilio, we also break down that company's positioning and why he feels it's such a strong pick. This will be a two-part episode, with the first episode covering our Netflix conversation, and then a second part covering Twilio, which will come out closer to Twilio's earnings. For disclosures covering the first part, I am long Disney, AT&T, Thor Industries, and Google, Akram is long Twitter, and Captain Twilio is long Twilio. Okay, let's get into it. All right. Netflix rep- reported earnings yesterday afternoon. Subscriber numbers were huge for Q2, but guidance was not so excited. I Last I looked, the stock was down about 6 or 7% today. Captain Twilio, good morning. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Excited to have you on. Akram, I think you've got some some thoughts of where to start in terms of breaking down. All right, down so here. I mean
1: we we've brought the cap on here and with uh, I I coined the nickname Cap Twilio. What was it? Captain a year and a half ago. Yeah. So Cap and I go back way back where to uh, I guess we met around the Netflix time, which is why we start we're doing this today. So I'd say 2011.
2: Yep, Yep, 2011.
1: And to give you guys just a little context here, I was Short blockbuster and Hollywood video, maybe like the first or second thing I really, sh- first thing I really shorted was like a thematic pitch and that I'd kind of kind of behind and long Netflix. And that was like 2005. Fast forward, that worked out. I felt like a genius to 2010. And I wrote something on Seeking Alpha, which I invariably am reminded of every six months by somebody titled Netflix, The Stock Story is Over. I think that was October of 2010, where I basically was like, look, I fucking know this stock. I've been there, done that. I understand content. First Sale Doctrine and U.S. Postal Service subsidizing DVD and debt-laden blockbuster is not HBO and, and the cable giants and Hollywood. I am not going to get excited about watching Netflix as a streaming option for the equivalent of what I get in the $2 trash bin type of DVD bucket at Walmart. That was essentially uh, Reed's pitch then, you're not coming here to watch Avatar, you're not coming here for new shows, we're not trying to be HBO, we're where you come watch an old episode of Cheers. They slid in with the back door with that Starz OBD deal, which Stars obviously screwed up royally in retrospect, but I made the case that licensing content is king, and I argued at that time to go long Lionsgate films, short Netflix, long story short, in that thesis which the bottom line on that thesis is that I made the case that Netflix ultimately will have to like exist alongside as a competitor of HBO. Like there's a section titled My Advice to Management. There was another section where it was like, okay, Netflix management is great, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, long story short, stock falls 70%. And it's a miserable experience for me because the process is up and down and, and a headache. And I'm on a prop desk and they're giving me shit about the short position. Fast forward a year later, or I think it was about a year and a half later, you come into the picture with uh, your Netflix is pivoting to
2: distribution is king.
1: Yes. I think you can take it from there to sum it up. The cap has basically held two positions. From, I think 2012 to 2017, essentially, right. Your long Netflix. Yeah. 16 to 17. I started kind of getting out of Netflix and moving it
2: to the next one. But uh, yeah, that's Which, about right.
1: As as we always re- reference is Twilio, his his darling, but l- let's start with Netflix. I, I mean, it, like this is a good day to revisit it. I mean, uh, Daniel and I talk about this all the time. You know, Daniel's a big Disney guy too. Uh, I'm obviously a Marvel fanatic, and there's a lot going on in content. Quibi, you, you and I have talked about Quibi a lot. Got TikTok in the picture. Netflix dropped them into their uh, competition statement there, which by the way has been a fantastic place of disclosures over the years, going back to yeah. a great management team, but. You got Peacock, HBO mess going on right now, you know, all, all these Roku junkies and the shift to linear TV who love the Roku stock. So I, I think it's actually a perfect time to get you on here, but let's get your initial view and, and see like, uh, you know, what's changed. Like, I mean, if you go back to that point, like I honestly believed at that time they had to shift the original content. And that was an argument we would have where you were like, no, they will get the distribution and then they will control it. Where we both write, where you write. I'm still waiting for the thank you letter from Reed Hastings. It's a, every time someone makes fun of a short report with that title, I'm like 18 months later, he literally wrote a, a manifesto in a shareholder letter, which is straight out of my, my Netflix short thesis. But I didn't stay long Netflix like you did. I couldn't figure that out at that time.
2: Yeah. So maybe I'll give, I'll give a little background. So my, my relationship with Netflix started in 2011. I was a hardworking analyst, associate, whatever. And I rented the movie Role Models, and I was—I went to 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 rent it. Couldn't find it, so I signed up for Netflix, and I kept that movie and kept paying some nine ninety nine or whatever it was to Los Gatos is what it was called on my credit statement, and I basically paid them for three years. And, and 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 I remember kind of stepping back once and being like, "What the what the hell is this Los Gatos that I keep paying?" And I realized that it was. This Role Models DVD, great movie by the way, that was sitting in my parents' basement still because I had lost it. I was watching Land of the Giants and they talk about how the, the big disruption was no late fees. W- what they did is they kind of changed the argument from no late fees to you're just paying for this unlimited amount. And so you are paying late fees, but you just they call it something different. You feel better about it. And so and anyway, I just thought if, if I could pay $200 for a, for a $20 DVD, and not feel bad about it, not feel like I was ripped off. Like there's really something here. And during that time I started buying the stock. But but the real conviction. Yeah. So I figured
1: that out five years before you. I, I had the I was probably the world record champion of, of Blockbuster late fees. But yeah, yes, yes, yes. Continue. Genius.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> the the real aha moment was there was a there's a program called Popcorn Time that came out.
1: Yes, loved it. Popcorn TV.
2: A beautiful torrent that just had a sleek interface, you know, you weren't going to get hacked. It's basically Netflix of 2020 or 2019, but it was in 2013 or 2014. As soon as I saw that, I knew that the kind of the, the old forms of distribution were dead. And in fact, Reed also mentioned popcorn time in one of the letters, I think it was 13 or 14. And it wasn't something Wall Street was watching, but he chose to put that in there to put people on notice, which is basically, I'm your only shot. You need to give me your stuff to distribute. And I'm the new Pablo. I have the logistics. I can get to the eyeballs. You can. And you're either going to get a license fee from me or you're, they're going to go on popcorn time and you're not going to get a, anything. So you know, 100% of nothing is worse than some percent of something. Once I sort of recognized that, I had to kind of go all in. What he was also doing is he was using that to gain his moat. And then once he had the eyeballs kind of pivot towards using content to keep that moat and further, further develop that moat. So that, that was kind of a really big moment for me. And actually it's where I, I came up with the idea that Netflix eventually, when you know there are no more lands to conquer. It's funny, in the, on the last conference call, you know, they they, they yesterday they, they show up and they say, you know, it's kind of like Alexander the Great in 300 B.C. or whatever it is. He shows up to his board call and he says, I took over Persia a little earlier than I thought. And so next quarter I'm going to have, you know, less lands to take over because I already took them over. And then the market sells off on that, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me.
1: It did rally 11 percent in the last three days before earnings. But I mean, yes, go ahead. No, no, that's true. That's true.
2: But at that point, I realized, look, Netflix has a lot of runway. They've got the entire world to go after. They will get it. They will grab that share. They will be the distribution. Once there's an iPhone, everything else is an also ran. And so once you figure out a way to get people what they want, there will be no other way that folks will want to consume content. And they'll have such a lead that by the time 2020 happens and you're getting Disney Plus and Peacock and this and that, it's almost too late, and there's, there's still share to be had. But yeah, I mean, look, eventually, you get to a point in a stock where you're up so much that you, and then there, the market gives you another gift, and you, you've gotta shift from one to another. And so, you know, in 2016 to 17, I started moving out of Netflix into Twilio. And I do have, I don't believe, I mean, maybe there are other people who are smarter. I don't think I can follow a stock or a company and its management, I, I don't think I can follow 10 stops. I, I, I can't. Uh, other people can. That's good for them. I really think I get behind a story that I think there's a 10x opportunity, and I kind of stick with it until I find another one, and I test and retest the thesis and talk to people that disagree with me. Uh, me mine and, and Huckram's conversations are, this is the most pleasant conversation we've ever had. We're, it's usually us telling each other why and the other one's an idiot. And it actually sharp, you know, it, it sharpens the thesis that way. You get a lot of people that just want to agree. And, and, and to me, that's not really a good way to make money. And so, uh, and obviously, Akram loves to disagree with people.
0: So the 2017 period is less about Netflix and more about other Twilio, about another opportunity first. Is that...
2: I got to a point with Netflix where I thought, basically, unless they acquired the NBA, or some sort of evergreen content production engine, like a real content production engine, not some TV show that you're gonna get bored of. They literally have to buy an entire league or something like that. There's gonna be an upper limit to what they can do. Reed's not gonna do ads. He's not gonna do a free tier. It's just like, that's not, nothing I've read makes me think that that would ever happen or nothing I've seen. He's not gonna go into news because it's too political. Sports is still sort of a thing where you can get a lot of eyeballs. There's no language barrier to sports. So again, and, and he's not going to do an ESPN style way overpay. He's going to, he doesn't like to be held hostage by the content. He wants to be able to switch it out. If,
1: In theory, he's commoditized it. Isn't that the argument at
2: the end of the day? If space, Kevin Spacey gets weird, done, kill the show. We're going to move on to Ozark. That, that's what he likes. That's what they like. And so you know, and that's what a distributor. That that's the power of a of a distribu- global distribution entry. And so yeah.
1: They are at almost 200 million. I mean Daniel, I mean, look, we, we discussed this a lot. Here's an interesting thing and we've talked about this a lot, you and me, uh, particularly when we talk about Disney and the flywheel that is Marvel. I mean, look, what Disney is right now for me, Disney plus, and we've discussed this with you as well, I don't touch it because I've seen all the Marvel movies. I've seen everything Star Wars. I actually have not watched Mandalorian, which is shocking for a guy who shows up at, at you know every Star Wars opening. But between like the COVID, COVID at the start and COVID today, between podcasts, the increased usage of Twitter, and then like this last six weeks that I've gotten on TikTok, m- my attention is whittled down. And we-, we were discussing this with Quibi. Like I actually subscribe to Quibi. So Quibi launches, forty-eight hours. Okay, like, you're the one. To Quibi. Yeah. I mean that's not funny. But <laughs> so it launches, and forty-eight hours, I'm on it. I, I you know, I liked Displashed. I liked it was like stupid. I loved Flip. I, I, I thought it was hilarious. I watched a bunch of stuff, and then I was like, done. I forgot about it. It's there, and I know three months is coming up, so like a month in, I canceled it in advance. Then right after they canceled, they come out with this Princess Bride remake, which I came out and paid $49 for, I watched, and I actually went out this past weekend. I was at a restaurant outside, I like, and then in a car, and I found myself turning to people and be like, hey, watch this last couple minutes of Princess Bride. It's hilarious, you know, on my phone. I was like, oh, that's what, they, you know? But it was really, it, it was to me, it was like Hollywood Strikes Back. It was A-list cast, it was funny approach, it was well placed, and I'm paying $4.99 for it. And I don't think I've laughed out loud that much in, in two years on on produced content as I did on the on the last two episodes of that. And like the Inigo Montoya with the uh, with Brian Cranston and uh, H- Javier Bardem at the end is just fantastic. I mean, it's like I was almost getting chills up the spine. I was like, is, you know, this is well produced, good stuff. I, I, if I'm a person who's never seen Princess Bride, maybe they don't give a shit. And they're like, what is this thing? I'm going to TikTok. Because TikTok is a studio in a box. I've concluded for about 13 seconds, anybody can be an Oscar award-winning actor or actress. And that's a freaking problem. Because whether it's like stand-up comedy, some dance skit, recording some musical, some little, I mean, it, 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 it's entertaining and, and, and married with that algorithm. It's, a, it's eaten into the time that I'm willing to dedicate to long form which was in the, in the streaming content
2: and, and reducing your 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 attention span. I mean, I had a two week span where I downloaded TikTok. I just had to learn it myself, and I became a kind of fourteen year old girl. Like I could not. I, I was spending an hour a day on stupid TikTok videos, but they're not. They're just super compelling, and the algorithm gets so good. I had to cut myself off, but. It makes it so that watching an Ozark episode without – It's hard. It is harder and harder, yeah.
1: Correct. And, I, and, and that to me is something that's interesting because if you've been – if you get conditioned – and Twitter does that to you as well, right, from a content standpoint and, and the way you consume things. And, and here we are doing the exact opposite, which is this long-form audio podcast where like – I mean I just listened to the Land of the Giants episode two on Blockbuster. And I've listened to it twice and I'm just like, this is award-winning stuff. For them to be able to, to put something together where I learned something new after 15, 20 years of the, of the Netflix blockbuster saga, particularly you and me, that's why like, I recommended it to everybody Instantly, I'm like, you guys got to go listen to this thing. There's p- points in that podcast where you're just like, excellent work, good research. And that's long form, enjoyable stuff. But like, if we want to watch a, a TV show, there's a bunch of stuff recently that's aired where you're just like, I, I, like, I want to start it. But it's now fallen kind of to the bottom of my list. So I did think it was interesting that he stuck it in there because there's an argument to be made now about content where we've battled this out because Peacock's interesting. Peacock's got Friends. It's got, it's got uh, The Office coming off Netflix, and those were two Netflix powerhouse staples. Yep. Uh, Parks and Rec, and it's going to be ad-supported. And you got to be thinking in an environment where there's so much content, I am willing to default back to something that's familiar. I would rather watch an old episode of something. You know, I think what Quibi did a good job with, with The Princess Bride triggering me with that little hook to watch that, is it's something familiar. Discovery today with so much that's been made. I, I watched Picard on CBS All Access. I'm a Star Trek guy. I canceled all access immediately and then and like they sent me like a follow-up and i literally replied to the email the generic email and i was like it's nothing personal but even if it's free i'm not going to be watching anything on your show because i just don't have the time
2: (laughs) what do you think of the of the actual content delivery I, i i we've been watching some shows on hulu my wife and i and and hulu just is garbage the, in terms okay, of their the, the the
1: their app is garbage. The quality of the content on Hulu, I've watched probably the most stuff recently. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, Amazon. the content is
2: is what it is. I, I'm saying the actual user experience, which is what like my, one of the first aha moments on Netflix for me was that that if popcorn time can do this, Netflix will be the first one. And Netflix wasn't always perfect either. But there's so much better now. I don't know how it was with Disney Plus, but Hulu, even last night, we were watching something, and it just it's buffering. It just stops. Sometimes it plays an ad, and it just like keeps going and in like into an infinite loop on that ad, and you have to restart and reinstall it. It's just like nineteen, you know, ninety nine or two thousand five problems that we're having to deal with right now. And I feel like who has time for that?
1: They, they, by the way, this is like a bit issue internally. There was an article about this. There's like fiefdoms tech wise in there. You got the BAM Tech stuff where they bought from the MLB. You got the original Hulu team. You now have the Disney Plus separate team. And you've got what they brought in from, was it Fox? thinking think in terms of FX and whatever they're merging in terms of that. What's his name leaving for TikTok? Obviously the the yeah. head of streaming. I mean, there, there's an argument that like, that was just like getting out of the headache. That is that mess.
0: I mean, you notice differences. Amazon Prime is pretty good. Disney plus I thought was fine from a viewing pers- experience. I'm abroad, so I can't get Hulu. HBO, it's still weird. I haven't, we have HBO not max. And I don't know if there's a, nobody knows if that's actually any different, but I still can't believe you can't skip the intro in HBO. Yeah. As much fun as it is to rewatch the intro to Succession or whatever, it's like, all right, I don't want to get sucked into this and lose a minute every time.
2: It, it actually makes it harder. Uh, like, because then you're reminded for two minutes, like you, have, you keep having to make the decision, okay, I want to watch the next episode I want to watch. Whereas with Netflix, it's so sneaky. You don't even know what's happening.
0: Well, I was going to get on the competition point. Captain, you had mentioned, you said something about by the time everybody gets to it, they'll feel like also rans. And I'm curious to pull that apart a little bit because what you could, obviously nobody foresaw the first half of 2020. Netflix added more subscribers in those six months than they did all of last year, et cetera. But there is something to be said for COVID was obviously a unique climate for streaming video services. But at the same time, Disney Plus rolled out in November. Hulu continuing to grow in prominence. HBO Max rolled out, I guess, in June. I didn't pull the date. But Peacock's coming out. The CBS All Access. Like there's more and more services. Quibi, TikTok. And it seems like Netflix. Roku Channel they're hold roku they they're holding ground and so at the very least even if there's more room for there's still the crazy aspects of netflix's valuation and there's some interesting things from the letter yesterday that we could get into too but it seems like this has been a pretty strong argument that netflix has established themselves as sort of a third rail you're not cutting that because they are the
2: we lot- not yeah, you, you're not cutting it. And If the government sends you $1,600 checks every couple of weeks, you're definitely not cutting it. And if there's new content that your kids, you know, you need to put your kids in front of the TV, you're going to get the Disney Plus or you're going to get all the new, you know, Peacock, although I think Peacock's free. But what's going to happen over the next couple of years is there's going to be a dearth of content because no one can go film anything right now. And Netflix is figuring it out. I think they found some weird places around the world that they can film things and they're getting into dating sh- like bachelorette type shows and all reality, that
1: Yeah, unscripted unscripted. Reality,
2: yeah reality has always been it's, it's like super cost effective once you get it right because you don't have to pay the content producers anything you just give them the chance to be famous you can film a lot of those in a warehouse where it's socially distant and it works but disney plus isn't going to have i mean unless they do a bachelor i guess that's owned by abc those show they're going to run out of content. And once they do, and once the stimulus runs out and all that, I do think it helps Netflix protect itself and give it even a, a bit of a longer runway. Because what happened is all these guys launched, they got a lot of signups, and then, as Uphram said, he stopped watching them because they had no new content for him.
1: Well, I mean, Disney, Disney is a flywheel, as we've discussed a million times. If, I, if it's not in the box office, getting the free box office press... And I don't have my you know, Avengers Endgame 1, 2, and then like, you know, Phase 2. They, they, they teased me with these original series for from, uh, from Marvel that aren't on there yet. Like, I've watched everything, like you, all their shows back to the – I like obviously I love all their musicals. So I've seen all that stuff so many times. I'm not going to go and be like, you know, I'm going to watch Lion King for the 36th time today. Like it's just not happening, right? So they don't – like they're not driving me in, in, in their ecosystem. I mean, I thought the uh, play they just did, what's Hamilton. it called? Hamilton w- w- was, was an interesting move on their part. But like, again, y- you don't have me there. So the way I look at what's happening right now, I look at the same thing that just went wrong with, uh, with Quibi in, in a sense, because there is good content there. I have defaulted back to Netflix and Amazon Prime. And my number three really right now is HBO and Hulu. They're vying in that position. HBO, obviously for the terms of the quality of their content, historically, They've built that brand equity with me. I'm watching Succession. I'm watching whatever. But like I've even like tuned out of Billions that, like recently. Like I don't have the – Billions is worse than Ozark for me. I was I could focus more on Ozark. Billions has hit like Entourage stupid level where I'm like, all right. It's like this is kind of just getting – I dare you? Entourage,
2: that's a classic.
1: Yeah, I understand. But you know like when you talk about like instant gratification, entertainment, like it's like a meme level content at, at some point. You're like – I need something a little bit more – like if it's not a documentary. I watched the uh, the Unsolved Mysteries episode on that, that dude who died in Baltimore, which I found fascinating. I, I personally think that's a murder and the financial newsletter writer and the whole backstory on it is crazy and, and all that. I mean like that's, that's where Netflix to me operates in gold. When I look at CBS All Access, I cancel them. Apple, it's free right now with my iPhone for, Like since I got it in November or October or whatever. But when it comes up, I'm not paying them. No. Like I've actually now bounced Apple for Spotify on uh, because of the podcast on the music side. so Apple's been double whammied there, but like uh, I do probably want to watch when uh, what's it called the Asthma Mob series comes out, but again, you you're like asking me to make a Game of Thrones level commitment at the start, and my, i I've been so hammered with attention that that's where I look at it now, and I'm like, you know what? like maybe Seinfeld Office and Parks and Rec are are great, like. I don't know if you listened to the uh, – you actually haven't because I, I asked you. The most recent Land of the Giants, they, they, they basically talk about how Breaking Bad is what triggered Netflix, the binging. And you know what? That's how I consume Breaking Bad because yeah, season one yeah. of Breaking Bad, I did not watch it. Like I started – some people were like, yo, bro, you got to watch this show. It's off the, It's like a, about a science teacher. He makes math. It's like it's crazy. And I'm like, yeah, I tried. Sorry. He's like walking around in his underwear in an RV like, OK, it's kind of boring. I watched the first episode of Breaking Bad
2: three times before I could could get myself to watch the rest of it. And then, uh, yeah, I just binged the rest of the season. Yeah, then
1: one weekend I knocked out uh, on Netflix, uh, season one and season two. And I probably have now watched Breaking Bad. It's probably one of the few series, The Wire, Breaking Bad. Obviously, I love all all three seasons of Fargo. I probably watched Breaking Bad three times. Like I I watched little snippets like, do you really want to live in a world without Coca-Cola? And I'm just like, yes, uh, Brian Cranston is so good. So, I mean, and Netflix did that. And actually, what to hear Reed talk about the fact that they quadrupled AMC's viewership by the time it got to the last season because everybody discovered it on Netflix. So that was symbiotic. And this goes back to our everlasting debate on distribution is king versus content is king. My argument back in 2010 was like, you got to be HBO to get me in. And they went out and Hollywood gave them some good content then when we had scarcity, dude. You couldn't knock out amazing highlights. I, I watched the entire Wire, all right, and I'm originally from Baltimore, on Netflix. I'm a person who did not consume. It was like maybe the only show I did not consume on HBO. So I, just, I, I discovered it there. I discovered Breaking Bad there. That was a discovery engine for me. Now I look at it today, and I'm like, "Am I really going?" Like, there's so much good stuff. When you start watching something, the, the quality of content has gone up so much. But the hours in the day are disappearing. If you consider social, if you consider podcasting, yeah. if you consider this like gaming, but one does wonder, like you said. I mean, we'll get into the pivot. Is this a risk? Like. Are they now, effectively speaking, better off being the supermarket? Is it where I go to watch an old episode of Cheers? Have, have we come full circle? Because HBO is trying to be like them today. And I'm sitting here thinking, HBO, scarcity, please, show less. Make me chase you around to watch your stuff. That's what you have done well. You creating too much more content makes no sense to me. It's like you're wasting money. And that's where you look at Hollywood today and you're like, look, if I can sit here and watch two hours before I know it on TikTok of people producing random and funny, entertaining stuff. How are you going to get me back into this pre-everybody-can-produce-anything? Like here we are on this podcast. There literally must be a podcast on whether or not it's, it's fun to watch Netflix on a Tuesday. I mean there are so many podcasts. It's absurd. And it's really absurd how many of them are really good
2: yeah they're they're telling stories and new stories or old stories with new details that we didn't have and it's such an easy way to but but again it's that you're you're arguing that netflix is what got you to breaking bad netflix is what got you to the wire is the argument that distribution is all that matters like lebron james was always an awesome basketball player but during covid this just doesn't matter because there's no way for him to monetize it now he's Picking him is not a good example because he's more than just a basketball player, but you understand what I mean. You know, Jerry Seinfeld was always like a funny kid, but The Tonight Show made him Jerry Seinfeld. You know, Paul McCartney and his band were good, but Ed Sullivan made them the Beatles. You need the distribution without that. it, It doesn't matter, and that was my argument. But there was an upper limit to it, and I kind of found a bigger tam that was being attacked by another amazing manager, and that's kind of what... The conclusion I came to in 2016,
1: 17. So, if I was to ask you today, where, where do you see television, in of itself, going? Are, are we looking at a period where the value of, of if you're, if you're one of these, like I, I look at, for example, paying 30 million dollars or whatever Apple has paid for, you know, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, or uh, Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston, for. What's the name of that show? The Morning Show. The Morning Show. And I'm just like, this is a waste of money. You're not getting me for this. Like, I get it. They're headliners and like a lot of Hollywood's cashing in these checks on on, on like what's been like the streaming war and the battle. But I'm like, once you get outside of Amazon, which, which has bundled it, Netflix is the only one where I can look at it and be like, it's it works standalone. When I look at HBO and AT&T, I'm like, all right, they control the broadband and the, the internet. But... When you get outside of that, like when you look at Quibi and all the jokes made about Quibi and, and, and you know, Whitman and Katzenberg aren't stupid. They actually have put together – when you talk about how bad Hulu's product is, Quibi as an interface is fantastic. I love the way it works in terms of how you use it from a tech standpoint, but I'm just like, okay, so what? Why are you in the business of uh, let Hollywood Produce Content again? Where's the room for that as a standalone? Like, why aren't you selling your stuff to Netflix then? Why, why isn't there a, a tier of stuff that's geared towards Netflix mobile?
2: I think their their thesis must have been, I'm going to get the commute. Right, the, the, there's an hour long commute, and I can get a piece of that, and it's a big market. And people, you know, they're adults and they want produced content that's nostalgic. So bring back what, what was that Got You Show on MTV that they redid with Punk? The- Punk, exactly. Yeah, that was a
1: disaster. That's probably one of their worst shows that so they've That they brought back hooked.
2: Yeah, but but I think that was their net. Their their pee- you know we're gonna start with nostalgia, get them hooked, and then and then move on to other things. And I think they just it was just a, a bad launch. I don't know if they needed to launch because of funding, and they were gonna run out of money. They had plenty
1: fun. of cash, dude. This is not the problem. They thought, hey, everyone's stuck at home. Woohoo! It's like this is gonna work, and I was like nope. Worst worst time to do your app because they have 85-inch screens and you've decided to lock your content to the mobile phone, which they're sitting at home. And what are they going to be probably doing on it? Chat, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, do, where's your room in that? Because by the time they want to sit and watch a show, they've got their television. It's there.
2: Yeah. Back to your question of where do I see it? I, I think the next, I think once we have the vaccine, the world very quickly goes back to where it was. And I think what's gonna happen is there's gonna be a resurgence in watching a movie together with other people. Basically anything that is around getting together in a large group, I know I miss that. The idea of watching a Jurassic Park or Star Wars or whatever and having the entire crowd You know, like at the same time or clap when Luke does something or whatever the hell. I mean, the
1: tent poles are there. There's Ghostbusters Reborn. There's Top Gun 2. We got Spidey's coming back. I mean, they're they're, they're sitting there and they're waiting.
2: (laughs) Give them a cinema. We need a hero, and the only way we're going to get it is a fictional one on a big screen together eating popcorn. So I think there'll be some of that. Like, if I could buy one thing, I would buy, you know, AMC Debt and. Assume that it's gonna it's gonna be money good uh, or live nation and assume that folks are gonna want to go to concerts again or at least outdoor festivals, then concert. Like those are good businesses. Now maybe they're you know that, that story is already played out. I, I don't I haven't been tracking it as closely. AMC not, but I think Live Nation is like a $50 stock again. It was like in the 20s. But that stuff isn't going anywhere and it's gonna come back with resurgence, just like People are buying RVs and going out into the wilderness. My brother and his kids are hiking every weekend now because there's nothing. But that stuff's not going to go away. We're kind of- mean,
1: camp, Campers worldwide is what now? 35? Yeah, it's like an 8X or
2: something since the. Uh,
1: since the- I mean, Daniels and in, in, in Thor Industries. Yeah.
2: Which is
0: just, yeah, all, something like a 3X this year.
1: And I'm in Twitter. And <laughs> PD. Shut up.
0: What do you think is going to... There, there, there were a couple interesting things on the call, first of all, and then it kind of circles back to some of our points. One point was what about their content for this gap period, where they said, I think they said something like, we're already producing for 2021. We've got it. Basically, they were making it sound like we can cover the bridge. Obviously, if the vaccine takes longer and all this stuff, there's still risks there. But if they can get through... They bridge pretty well, and so I thought that was interesting with your point earlier, Captain, about the idea that they will actually reinforce their moat through this period. But then there's also, they were pretty flat out, this is pull forward, this is definitely a pull forward period, and what we're trying to figure out in this whole period is what's pulled forward, what's going to stick around, what's going to bounce back, and so you've just made the case for movie theaters and live experiences. The last interesting thing I thought from the call was which remains to be seen, but they basically argued we're going to hit a 15% or higher free cash flow margin once we stop, once we believe that we've won our market. And they said, we haven't, it's kind of artificial because we can't spend as much on content right now, but it does all of a sudden really put on the table, here's what they in theory could be doing for you know your long-term financials pretty starkly from their perspective. So I, I don't know, those are three different not necessary they're related, but not necessarily directly. I'm just curious. if You guys, had any, any thoughts on any of those? The
1: I mean, I think they have won their market. I look at it today, and I just say, like we were just saying, if it's not prime is bundled in, HBO is going to be doing what HBO is trying to do right now, as, as far as the path is going. Disney has thrown it out there, and, and hopefully, for Disney's case, the cinemas open back up, and they can sit there and say, our content is that much better because we own this familiar. Virtuous cycle of amazing content and, and, and brands, but when you get outside of that, I don't see anything in terms of how that potentially can be disrupted at this point from a, from w- w- where they sit. Like I'm not going to commit to Apple. It's almost like the energy I expended in canceling a CBS or quickly canceling a Quibi or then like opening a Quibi back up and do it. I, I I'm like you know what? There's no way I'm going to can- I'm going to cancel Netflix. It's kind of there. And I expect it to be there because I know they're investing so much in content. And I know that there's so much on there that if I'm ever bored, I can discover something, particularly with what they do with the documentaries. Like I just saw, like YouTube has exited scripted, which is probably a good move for them. We are kind of at that point here. You're gonna see a lot more of this. I saw that they bought Cobra Kai. I love Cobra Kai. I thought that show was really good. So Netflix is sitting there and they're they're, you know, vulturing out things and like they're in a good position. They have 200 million, like just under 200 million subscribers worldwide and and a close to $250 billion enterprise value. Nobody's even close. So as far as unit economics, which is funny to go back to the fact that when you listen to the Blockbuster podcast, there's a point on there where they talk about how Barry McCarthy in 2006 when Blockbuster went omni-channel, right, with with all access, and they were giving you a trade-in for and losing $2 per trade-in. He literally brought in the sell side analysts and were like, listen, Blockbuster cannot, the, the unit economics don't make sense. They're losing money. It's not sustainable. You can't yeah, you give can't them spend any more money. $150 to make 100 or whatever you,
2: said.
1: you can't fund them. Do not fund them. And then, like, what was the argument for the next three years with you and me on, on Netflix? It's like, uh, they're just burning so much cash. But Hollywood bought the story. I mean, sorry, Wall Street bought the story at the time, right? like, at least in investors. And it's a different environment and, and, and whatnot and the disruption element. But if you think about it, like today, where we stand right now, how do you shake them? Yes, I think they can lose time to gaming, as he says. I think they lose time to sleep. And if they don't get in the way, I think they're going to lose, obviously, time to, to the TikToks. I don't really know what, what happens with TikTok. Do people tire from it? Do they tire from making content? is it novelty facebook's about to launch their version of it they're like yeah, you can record videos and mark zuckerberg is out there doing what mark zuckerberg does control c or whatever but it's one where when you look at netflix you're just like they're on cruise control they should be generating a ton of free cash flow eventually and i don't see why they would need to invest so much more in content now could amazon and Apple really throw at this, but the question is, why would they? If you're going for this bundling approach, it's – I don't know how much you're willing to commit from a prime standpoint. You've kind of just committed. Netflix is going to be spending more than anybody else without question. But is there room for any of these other competitors? Do people start folding economically? That's a better question
2: yeah and and, and I'll, I mean the other the other question is, I mean, usually when, once you get to a point where you can't come up with a reason why someone will be dethroned, then it, it, that's exactly when they get dethroned. And, and maybe the company's already born, and we're not talking about it yet. But you do get to a point where, okay, well, if if there are no more lands to conquer, then you need to start producing EBITDA because we started have a reality check. I don't know when that's going to happen. Obviously, they did it by accident this quarter. They'll do it again next quarter, but eventually they'll start spending again. But it, yeah, if you get to a point where you're, you know, the market isn't completely irrational. When you get to a point where you're not, they're, they're, the, the TAM, you've already captured it, and you have to turn that into earnings, and that, at that point, the, the multiple compresses, but hopefully you make up for it by growing your earnings and you create more return. But do I think that Netflix goes from 500 to 5,000 before other opportunities? No. I mean, I think I, I, it's hard for me to imagine.
1: that. Okay, that's that. craziness, dude. What are you talking about? 500 to go for 1,000. I mean, what is this? Tesla? I mean, what are you going to start talking to me about? Space is the TAM. I mean, is, is, Reed, hey, is, is, is it?
2: I'm, uh, what I'm saying is, there's a point where you can't fall in love with the story, and just to say, okay, well, there's no one else because it's already captured. That value is already there, and and so it's hard to it's hard to put new dollars to work in a in a five hundred dollar Netflix.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a quarter of a trillion dollars, which is not insane when you think about two hundred million global paying subscribers. Now I look at it and like uh, with what just happened now and it's like, oh, Netflix is down 7% because their forecast is appointed. And it's like, is this a joke? I want to know who the 2.5 million people are on earth who didn't sign up during the global pandemic lockdown. (laughs) Like That's the forecast for next quarter. Why haven't they signed up already? Because they don't have internet? I mean, that's pretty much probably the only argument and like they're just getting internet and it's like an internet penetration story in India. But what's, what's surprising is where did they add the most signups this quarter? Relatively speaking, it was North America. North, I think this was the first time on, on an actual unit basis, North America outstripped any one of those four other regions. That flip hasn't occurred in a while. Maybe because uh, we've screwed up the, the pandemic so much worse and everybody else is uh, ahead of us on the curve there. And uh, maybe that's the argument. But restaurant owners that didn't have time before to, to watch Netflix.
2: Now they, they have time.
1: Well, I mean, okay, that's funny. Not really, but I mean, look, the bottom line is you look at them and you say they've done a good job and I can't see what is going to get in the way of it. But at the same time, I can't see why anybody's not looking at it and being like, I'm super impressed with how this is like how, how they're moving along.
2: No, it's super impressive. It, it's super, that, that management team is scary good. You just don't get an assembly of – they should all, I mean, they could all break away. There's, you know, four leaders of $50 billion plus companies in the, in, in Netflix, you know, Reed should be the CEO of Disney. That, that's just like the bottom line. But so and over maybe, time,
1: maybe Apple does capitulate at some point. Maybe,
2: maybe. I mean, I mean that does
1: kind of solve the problem. I, I don't know what the hell they're trying to do over there, but like, again, it goes to the back. We have all the money. Why don't we spend it and create, but like, that's the thing. Like. What is it going to take for you to pull off a Game of Thrones and build that brand equity, equity with me in today, particularly with the youth? There's actually one other question I have for both of you guys, actually. Let's, let's get off this topic. Is Do you actually think with all this content out there, we're, we're hitting a point, peak Hollywood-wise, where their costs come down? The cost of producing content has, is going to trend lower going forward.
2: Well, then you're saying basically Netflix using their market power and saying, look, if you want to be on my platform – George Clooney. This is what you're going to get. Versus, you know, go somewhere else and no one's going to see your stuff and you'll be forgotten. Are we there yet? I don't. I don't.
1: There is so much stuff. How many people are sitting there, starving to see a new George Clooney film?
2: If money starts to become not free, probably we would get there quickly, but not right. I I don't think right now.
0: I think it's interesting because I think Netflix still feels. As we were talking about this, Netflix still feels like the most focused player here in a long form content. TikTok and Quibi are both, that's their whole business, but it's short form. But HBO belongs to AT&T, which obviously has a big communications business. Disney Plus and the movies, it's very important to them, but they also have sports. They also have the theme parks. Comcast owns NBC, so you can't argue that Peacock is a top. So I feel like they, if that happens, Netflix is definitely... And that's sort of where that idea of we're kind of in an artificial spending freeze because you just can't pay people. There's no reason to pay people to film themselves at home. But I think the the way that would play out is that Netflix survives through this down period and then they're snapping up Cobra Kai, they're snapping up other movies that aren't getting released yet, etc., Because they just know that they can put that to work. And everybody else says, you know what? This game's just not worth playing. And a few competitors close down. And then spending it sort of becomes more uh, oligopolistic as far as the spending from the content company side. I think what's interesting about Netflix still... I don't know if you guys perceive this differently. I still don't really get into movies on Netflix. Original movies. I don't really... Have an interest in diving in.
1: I'm with you on that.
2: I agree 100 percent. I think that's the piece that like if there's a some incremental pricing they can take from me, it would be like deliver me good movies. It costs me twenty dollars to, to, to go sit in a movie theater. Maybe I can't recreate it. so there'll be movies that I'm just never going to watch. you know Avengers, I'm never going to want to watch at home for the first time. But there are the other 80% of movies that I would never want to go to a movie theater again for. And I could pay another 20, you know, $20 for that. But they haven't gotten that right yet. So that is an opportunity, I think. I agree with you, Daniel.
1: I think it's too late for that. I think there's just too much content. Good luck. They've, they've, they've tried stuff with, like, Will Smith. And they, what's his name? They just had Tom Hanks. They put what's, was, was that Netflix, too, just now?
2: No, it's, uh, I think it's Apple.
1: Okay, yeah, you're right. It was Apple. And I haven't even seen that. So, like, I mean, if I'm not, if I'm not lining up to watch Tom Hanks on Apple, on my, uh, which is free, you got a problem.
2: Yeah. But, Akram, would you watch, like, if they go out and say, look, the movie theaters are going to be, no one's, no one's going to be able to actually go to a movie theater for a year. Do you guys want to make all this stuff go stale? Or are you going to have, like, an artist revolt? We'll, t- we'll do an interview-style deal, and we'll just take, you know, the next 10 movies, I would watch Fast and the Furious. I would watch Top Gun. I would watch all of those in the interim and then use that to learn what, how to make a movie that people want to see, not on the fringes. And maybe it opens up an avenue for them. Maybe it doesn't, but I think they ought to try. They're probably- no, I, get your, I get your point.
0: I think the movies, we had, when we talked about Netflix the first time in this podcast, Akram was making the point that there's so much choice. It's hard to go on Netflix and know what you're doing. For some reason that feels with a show, maybe it's because it's less of an investment or maybe because I have more confident that they've figured out the format. With a movie, it's like I sort of want critics to tell me that it's a great movie. Like I'm, you know, I'm old fashioned. I lo- I do trust experts in different fields and I like I will go to the list of 100 best movies and say, "Oh, okay, I haven't seen Nashville. I'll go watch Nashville." But I just feel like that's Given all of these questions of the time crunch, I want my handheld a little bit more in terms of what movie to watch. Where shows you can get a little bit more of a sense of, oh, I see who's talking about that. There's more of a discussion around it. I don't know. Maybe that's just a reflection of shows taking over from movies as a more serial t- storytelling being more popular these days than single shot movies. But that's sort of how I see it.
2: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. You need people to kind of tell you. It used to be that movies were the kind of a two-hour investment. You got to get in your car, you go. But now shows, I'm almost like I got. I I let a whole season go by, and then like listen to my smart friends tell me if it's good or not, and then I'll give it a shot because I know that I'll. It's like a three-four year commitment. If, if I get into something, so I don't yeah. think
1: we'll see another Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad, to tell you the truth. I, like I, I do think that there's a better argument in, in a sense, actually for the tentpole in the movie. If Avengers Endgame was out right now, I would be trying to find a way, somewhere to travel to, to go watch it. Like if I couldn't watch it here, I would find a market, I'd get on a plane, because I could not. Ha- like Endgame cannot come out, and uh, I not know what happens with. uh
2: Speakeasies. To, to go watch it. Yeah, you'd go into a warehouse at night and uh, everyone would watch it. No, it, it,
1: it. Same thing with Game of Thrones. You would have gotten me in. I'd say, I mean, what a disastrous last couple episodes. But that final season, I was I was vested. That's something that I think is it's going to be ext- extraordinarily difficult to replicate uh, going forward. Because I do discover so much. Like, I watch shows on Netflix and I'm like, damn, this is really good. But I don't have the time for it. Like, I was talking to someone the other day about what's the show with Kevin Costner? It's recent. Yes, it's a recent. It's a TV series, Yellowstone. Yes, Yellowstone. Yellowstone. I watched season one, and like someone sent me like a screenshot of like what they were watching. I don't remember who, on WhatsApp, and I was like, oh, what's that? And it like, it's like Kevin Costner and whatever. And like they're like, it's a show. It's so you'd like it. Kevin Costner about this family. He's in the media business or whatever, and like a struggle and turn into the family who runs this empire. And I'm like, oh. You mean like Succession? And I'm like, oh, wait. I've watched season one of this show. I watched all of season one of Yellowstone. Literally, it's been like I I completely forgot about it. And they're like, yeah, it's a new season. I'm like, oh, season two started? It's like, no, it's season three. It's like literally been deleted from my brain because it got filled by the spot of Succession. Succession is a better version of Yellowstone. I'm glad you just tell you that. But, I mean, that tells you something about what's happened in, in terms of content. The differentiation these days. When I watched Yellowstone season one, I was like, this is really good. And I've completely forgotten about it.
2: Yeah, Succession is arguably a better version of Billions.
1: It's a better version of both of them. Yes, you're you're right. I mean, and, and that's where HBO has done their thing. They can come out there and produce that stuff. And I don't know what their plan is. Even the uh, the the Watchmen was like a, a fantastic uh, short s- series. So, like, I I don't know w- what their master plan is in terms of creating a a lot more content. And what, what what was it that they signed, by the way, for HBO Max? Was it the uh, a new show? For, no, it wasn't Friends. They got something library wise. I thought they got Friends actually. Yeah, they had Friends. Was it? They, they, okay, it was Friends. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so Friends is both on Peacock and HBO Max. Uh,
2: yes, maybe ad supported versus not.
1: This stuff gets so complicated now. It's like the tiering. and it's like it's like we're, we're right back where we started.
2: It's just like you can stream it. Yeah, I mean, somebody's gonna create an app that. I mean, that is a, it's, probably, it's Roku, I guess, but you know, the, what? you to watch everything. You all. cannot
1: pay me to watch the Roku channel. I don't even know what anybody is they're like. <laughs> linear TV, they're gonna own advertising. What? Like Hulu's already doing their own ad tech. Like everyone's gonna be walling in their stuff. Like, why am I? Po- like, what for? What reason? is Roku channel going to get my time? Unless they're going to go get all the premium content that's library-esque. And we just discussed the fact that the library-esque premium content continues to have residual value. How much money has Seinfeld made since it went off air? And they're still signing multi-billion dollar deals. So I just, I just don't see that.
0: I'm just waiting for to go back to where we started. I have pulled up earlier the... IMDb page for role models and I am i think that's what the world is calling for is a remake of role models we're talking about a movie with Sean William Scott who I don't I have not seen in a minute Paul Rudd oh, the, uh, the dude from Superbad the kid McLovin
2: McLovin yeah. uh,
0: Jane yeah. Lynch Elizabeth Banks I mean this is
2: I'm telling you it's a it's a classic that that movie is it's well worth the $200 I spent <laughs> Um, there's a line in it where there's a little kid who's like the they're the big brother, little brother for, and he goes, uh, he he keeps calling Paul Rudd Ben Affleck, and he goes, man, my name's not Ben Affleck. He goes, so you what? Then you Ben Affleck. And I <laughs> love that line. I love that line.
0: Ah, Paul Rudd, good for him. Thank you for listening to the Razor's Edge. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts hit us up on Twitter at, at Daniel Shortman and at Akram's Razor with suggestions, requests, disagreements, or anything else. We will be publishing at least one episode every other week for the summer before we ramp up in the fall, and love to hear from you with ideas. If you can share this with a friend or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd also be really grateful. This has been a Shortman Studios production, and our theme song is Move On by Soquel.